Yes, it is. It's Friday, the day we're recording. Welcome into the Soccer Mom Sunday podcast. I'm Jennifer Cease alongside JB Anderson. What's up, JB? Hello, hello. How are you? Glad it's Friday. This is definitely one of those, you know, thank goodness it's Friday. It's it's been a week. I was I was feeling it um, as a fellow Gen Xer, given that it is Friday. I was like, this is like college days, high school days, throwing it back. Oh yeah. I, I had a hard time all week knowing my kids went back on Tuesday. Mine which too. was yay, right? Um, last year my husband and I went out day drinking after that and that was not a good idea because we're like, Oh, I gotta go get them and oh, look hey, like carpool. good parents. Um, <laughs> thank God we were in walking distance now. Um, but we we you know radio and soccer led to other things so didn't do that but definitely trying to get on and nobody you know we weren't the good parents who were like let's get on a sleep schedule two weeks ago yeah, so no, the no. kids are like it's nine o'clock they're like I can't sleep I'm like figure it out yeah we tested You'll be fine we casually <laughs> tested it on Sunday and it was an epic failure so total we're like, failure Whatever. yeah they be, can I come and snuggle with you no it's 11 o'clock good who luck tomorrow you? who are you <laughs> ride your bike <laughs> so, um, we're back for another episode. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. I am ready. I'm ready. It's, it's been it's been a fun, you know, busy week, too, on, on the business side. So, attended, I only got one St. Louis City practice in this week. I go there and try to watch practices and maybe get a player interview and um, to get some good footage or, you know, footage, audio from Coach Carnell. But I only made one practice this week because I'm busy on the other, other thing I do is the mindset training for mental skills training for youth athletes and um, you know, summer has kind of ended, which some, for some, they will pick that up as a good thing to do in the off, but some right. just want a break, which I don't blame them. Right, right. And so training has just begun with uh, University of South Carolina, Fort Sumter. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I do it on, uh, it's challenging, but fun, interesting to do it on Zoom. They're in a room and we, we've done pillar number one. So uh, what's the connection? You know, the connection, actually, soccer in St. Louis. So No, no way. So there are, um, Leah Hilsing is the um, coach, the head coach there. She is the youngest of three. The Hilsings are Melville, Oakville, um, Delilah, her older sister, uh, played at Duke, I believe. Um, St. Louis Southers. Yeah, yeah. And so um, her, the younger sister, Leah, is over there and just kind of, connections through connections and they're mostly soccer connections um it's like hey you do this thing with mental training i'd really like to offer that as you know to my group she likes to do a bunch of other things with her team like you know nutrition fitness you know not just touches on the ball but team building and it's a junior college so she's like you know i got them for two years i want to give them as many skills as i can besides soccer yeah you know i mean that whole and we we touched on it in episode one the whole pillars right the four typical pillars um you know for those of you that aren't familiar it's the technical tactical physical and then mental uh you know we and we mentioned how the mental side is generally the fourth maybe even fifth or sixth on the list of four that people tend to and it's becoming i would say in vogue you know, for lack of a better term, because people realize, no, this is really important. Yeah, it's behind, actually. So when you think of, when I when you go to any practice, you're, you're going to look to see the physical skills of the practice. Right. Your soccer, your dribbling, passing, shooting, both foot skills, fitness. Now we've got things that we, I know I never worked on. <laughs> There's no speed and agility. You see yeah. all kinds of things like that. 
we put them in practice and we practice and practice and reps and reps, which is great. Then we put them into pressure moments. We put yep. them with a crowd. We put them with officials. We put them with an opponent that we can't predict. And we go, hey, do the same thing under pressure. Well, do you find it ironic, though, you know, because you've, you've been around the game your whole life, you know, and in the capacity that you're in now with the team and the interviews that you're having. And then obviously you're you listen to our show and you hear the conversations that we've been having with really, really high level coaches as well. Do you find it ironic that there's always an emphasis on character and locker room mentality and leadership and all these things that are purely derived from kind of mental maturity for the most part, you know, and so it's always talked about. But just now, you know, services like yours uh, um, are, are becoming getting the respect that it deserves. Yeah. And I think we we don't you don't see mental, right? That, I think it's, it's a hard thing to think that you need because you don't think you see it until you see it. Right. So you see it come out in a missed PK when we can do it over and over. We see it come out in like a, a poor pass back, you know, where, where we, what did St. Louis City do? Pick that off, you know, these oh, yeah. pros know how to think. That's a mental mistake. These are mental moments yeah. and we know they're there, but it usually comes out like, why did you do that? Or, you know, you need to fix your shot. Yeah, but it probably started, you know, in the three pounds of electrical energy between your ears. Um, and we just don't spend time. And, and it's not because coaches don't care. Um, I coached soccer for, for years. And, and I think there were mental moments I look back on now and went, oh, I, I coached that in a purely physical way yeah. um, that I could have inserted. And we know that sports psychology is not new per se, I would say. It's been at the pros and it's been at the international, you know, levels for a long time. Where it needs to get is it's coming down. It's in NCAA Division One. It's coming down to Division Three. It needs to get younger. It needs to get in high school. Yeah. It needs to get when they're yeah. 12, P uh, 13. Puberty. Puberty. <laughs> when when literally the the you know I think the the new psych term is to call your brains are neuroplastic. That just basically means to me we're a little less stubborn. We're a little less set in our ways. And truly, it the. I love working like 16, 17 year olds because they're, they're mature, they get it, but you can already see some hardening, right? There's, there's been failure. There's yeah. a little bit of like, mm, but like 12, 11 year olds, they're so open. They're, yeah. they're like, yeah, let me give that failure recovery method a try. Yeah, well, let me give that. They're willing to say, I'm sorry or <laughs> okay, you know? Well, there's that. <laughs> like, let's, you know, just we can simplify it. They're not that bad of teenagers right. yet. My so. daughter turns 15 today. Happy birthday, Marin. And we're going to go for the driver's permit. And oh my gosh. I feel like there it's she's pretty low drama. It's my 17-year-old boy who knows everything, by the way. If anybody on the show, listening to the show, needs to know anything, sure. I have a boy who's 17 <laughs> and knows it all. Yeah, is, he, the, you know, is yeah. he the Cliff Clavin of your house? Pretty much, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. If, if there's a nugget, he knows. He's he's seen something on it. So will you be the <laughs> one behind the wheel with, or in the passenger seat for the for the technical no. training, and then uh, George will be the rules of the road? <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea, but yeah. I have a short fuse, so I'm not getting in there at uh, all. There you go. What, what my specialty is doing is I'm driving, telling them to, sh sh I'm doing a rolling stop. I've earned it. Uh, yeah. so, so don't critique my driving, yeah. Georgie. Earmuffs. Yeah. Shh. Close your eyes. Yeah, you don't, and don't, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Definitely don't follow my example. Yeah. <laughs> you got to pay your dues on the road, buddy. Um, so let's, let's do this real quick. It, uh, episode one, official episode one, we had Brie on. Brie McCarthy. She's fun. She, isn't she a ton of energy? She, I, she's, Lord. yeah. She's <laughs> a, you know, as our illustrious friend, Jared Bertrand would say, she's a hammer. 
she, <laughs> you know, she's a straight up hammer. Yeah. Um, loved the, I, I liked how she was consistent in her experience, her personal experience coming up through the Canadian national team system in the, you know, the club world that they have. And then the transfer into D1 here mm-hmm. and then going abroad into the Bundesliga and tying it all into kind of the vision that she has as a coach, you know, and the things that she's doing over at Lufuse and, you know, sky's the limit for her. And she's the reason that um, my program, Minded Define, is now with the Girls Academy there. So it'll be um, starting, I think we're starting October 9th. I'll be training nice. all six of their teams. And, and I'm going to be tired, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm so glad she believes in the mental side of the game, too. She knows, right? And anybody yeah. who's played has those mental moments. I'm so glad that they want to institute that. You know, it's fun to work with players one-on-one, um, but it's a whole lot better to get those those kinds of ways of thinking and that speak so to speak yep. across the team yep um what do you think you want to go ahead and uh take a quick uh commercial break let's do it you gotta pay some bills bring on our guest today uh, i'm looking forward to today and i'm gonna go out of our intro with a little bit more of the same because it's friday it is you cool with that thank god yeah all right we'll be right back <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> Feels good on a Friday. Got another one. It's Gen X Friday. Oh, man, that brings you back. <laughs> right? <laughs> my, my kids would say, that's so retro. And I'd be like, you're not old enough to use that word yet. I got in a huge fight with my kids a little while back because they were like um, uh, from Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, dad, this music's so awesome. I'm like, no shit. Yeah. Really? Where does it come from? A bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If your generation can do anything original that isn't sampled yeah. from the 70s or 80s, let me know. <laughs> well, I think I think I told this story the other day. It was um, uh, back at my middle. Um, loves music. Gets into a lot of different genres. And he came down one day. And he's like, oh, dad, you know, you know, Lauren Hill, right? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know Lauren Hill. He's it's awesome to check out what I found. It's this version of her songs. It's called Unplugged. <laughs> like, uh, by MTV Unplugged? He goes, yeah, it's awesome. I was like, okay, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for keeping up. It's all good. <laughs> Quit acting so, like it's your idea. <laughs> so anyway. So Jennifer C's back here with you on the so- Soccer Sunday Mom. Soccer Mom Sunday. Soccer Mom Sunday. I always Sunday. do it the wrong way. Soccer Mom Sunday podcast with J.B. Anderson. And quick shout out before we welcome our guest to the Oakville Sports Pub. I'm back in Oakville. Yeah. So I moved, uh, my husband, my Ben fiance and I moved to Oakville like 2001. And we were here for 19 years and uh, decided to move. And it's great. It's a great place to raise your kids. Great place. We grew our family um, and just, you know, since moved a little bit more central to a lot of the, uh, well, I don't know, soccer things we were doing. But the Oakville Sports Pub can definitely take credit for feeding us after many soccer games here at Queen of All Saints, Oakville High School, around the different clubs here, Culping in the area, Scott Gallagher, different soccer games, or just coming from, oh gosh, the slice of fields where you're so far away yeah. and coming back and, and feeding my children and spoiling my children. So they, they thought they run, ran this place. They, they ran around here like they were some of the bad children. Well, I see the uh, <laughs> virtual golf and back. That's, and... I, that's new since I left. Nice. So I moved out. We moved in um, 2020, like right after COVID market kind of. Um, opened up and so driving back on Telegraph I was like oh there's a Starbucks now okay that's new and then I walked in here and I'm like 
oh, that back place where I often had my kids has got golf. They would love that, actually. Yeah, no, I mean, I know, it has I a little bit of everything. Kids. It's got a uh, pull, pull tab, uh, video poker, and virtual golf, and a grab arm machine. And lots of screens. Yes. So you can, use, you can get pretty much anything on here. <laughs> so, you know, since we're in Oakville, I'd like to go ahead and introduce our guest, yes. Sarah Gunther. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. How's it going? It's going great. Going great. She's on a break right a, now. And then back to school. sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah Gunther is the varsity head coach for girls program at Oakville High School. And Sarah, I remember when you were first coming in. Um, and one big deal for me to know that our local high school, which at the time, you know, figured might be my kid's high school. Um, I had two boys, one girl and one on the way who then was a girl. And we, myself, my husband, George and Scott Hannock, who's also another Oakville, his daughter is at Oakville high school. Now I have oh well God. in class now. There you go. Yeah. And so they, we are part of Oakville United. We had just a small little club. I think we ended up making it to seven or eight teams, something like that. Um, uh, we lasted about seven, eight years. COVID took a big old hit with, with that to small clubs, but we enjoyed a really great relationship with the high school, with their AD, Becky Zupan, and particularly you. Like when you came in, it was so awesome for me to get the girls like literally on a waiting list so that they could come to your girls varsity games, be ball shaggers, sit in the stands, run your tunnel. I mean, they felt like as a little club, they were part of the varsity team. Yeah, and we just adored having them. We miss it. Um, I mean, we still do have a lot of involvement with the community and other programs and things, but it felt very endemic having like the Oakville United crew. And now a lot of those girls are my girls on my team. Yeah, they should be yeah. freshmen, mm -hmm. sophomores, and then they're probably, there was, we did have a 2007 team, so maybe, um, Maybe maybe a, a junior or two. Yeah, I, I, I always forget where those birth years cross the <laughs> the yeah. uh, grades. But yeah, so like seeing their um, their pictures and knowing you know I'm in contact with you know once you're somebody's coach you're kind yeah. of your coach forever. And so I have contact with many of them. I'm going to try out in yeah. spring. I'm like you should, and you better start working hard. You better be fit. <laughs> That's it. Because I know Sarah. At least I got <laughs> to know her, and she is fit, and she will most likely not ask you to do anything that she couldn't do or has not done. Yeah, that's correct. Well, you know, I'm, I'm now an older woman, but I still try to stay involved as much as I can and push them as hard as I can. I mean, playing at a high level, you know, back in my time, uh, I only have one gear still, you know, and I, I try to, you know, infiltrate that into all my training sessions and in camps and all the things. And um, it's just fun to try to get them on board with that motivation, you know, and seeing a coach that still plays with them. And I still run 120s with them as much as I can. <laughs> you know, I can't walk for two days afterwards, but, you know. Do you, it, whenever one of them starts to beat you, is that when you pull out and like, you guys keep running? <laughs> Uh, well, it's before that because yeah. I've already probably pulled something when we were like scrimmaging. Um, but it's, I like to see that. I want them to beat me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, yes, they're beating me. You know, because <laughs> I, I need that. You know, I want that for that, their morale. But. So when you came in, I remember, you know, when, when Oakville hired you and, and they put, you know, information out in the community and we heard about it as well and kind of gave your backstory in the game. Um, could you share it here with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am a OG STL soccer player. Uh, I went to Sackman High School and played there. I was a, actually the inaugural freshman group there. I scored the first goal for Sackman, the first hat trick for Sackman. 
Uh, See, you do a lot of first, JB. <laughs> Those can be among your first that yeah. you kind of say. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'm on it. And um, I was inducted in the Hall of Fame there. Oh, gosh. Maybe 2011. Um, and then I had my club side of my life, which was really more of where I put all my... Uh, back then, it was very different, the club world. Um, I played for JB Marine. Ah, JB uh, Marine yeah, girl. Okay. Yeah, I played for um, uh, Len Sapicki. And uh, Harry Amon and then Mike Vane. Yeah, so okay, I know the names. My coaches yeah. Vader. Throughout, Vader throughout, throughout my tenure. <laughs> I'm very close with Vader. Um, but yeah, and then I went to Missouri State and played there all four years. Um, and I just got inducted into their Hall of Fame back in March. Wait, Congratulations. Wait, oh, oh, hold on, uh, Missouri State. What years were you at Missouri State? Uh, 01 through 04. Okay, Jared went there. That's where he yeah, played. Yeah, Jared Burchan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you, when you said that, I was like, I know him. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're looking at me like, oh, my God, I know him. Is it a good I know him? Uh, because we know him well. So <laughs> I know he would be at like similar parties with us. I dated the goalkeeper at the time, Matt Pickett. Oh, uh, okay. And Matt got drafted our junior year to play for the, sh- the Fire in yep. Chicago. And so then he left. And then, but, you know, I was... Small Hanging world. with Matt, and you know, and we didn't really party that much, to be honest with you, which was good because have, I wanted to. Do you have dirt perform. on Jared, or is there no dirt on I Jared? Don't do we already know? Oh I really didn't party. It's all public record at this point. I, I, I'm like one of those late bloomer partiers. Like I didn't really get into that scene till yeah, post college. Yeah, me. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I need. I wanted to be good in the soccer field and do well in my studies, and so I just kind of like was a goody goody for a while. Well, can, can I ask you a little bit more about the JB Marine days because that's. Um, at that time, I hated playing JB Marine teams, and for the best reasons. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, because you guys were, you know, there there was a, a, a tenure of time in which JB Marine was, yeah. you know, the kind of the pinnacle for the women's club side. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about some of the people, some of the women that you played with at that time that, you know, were either uh, combative or inspirational, or that, you know, just some of those memories to paint a picture as to. Who was part of that club with you? Um, Lori Columpney. She was on my team. Crossbar Columpney. Crossbar Columpney. Crossbar (laughs) Columpney. Yeah. I remember just, I mean, she was a phenom since day one. Um, Becky Sauerbrunn. Um, She was a little bit younger, but sometimes she would play up with us. Um, uh, Megan Mead also was an Oakville alum here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dee Bauer was an Oakville alum here. Uh, Jenny Nelson. Let me see who was like the one. Uh, Missy Peabody. She was uh, Coriezu's head coach. So when they won the state title not too long ago. Um, but yeah, I would say all those girls had different aspects of their game and that they brought to the table and helped develop you know me and all the other players around there was kind of a core group which that was basically us the girls i mentioned that would kind of be like the the foundation of the team we were like always the ones that kept going you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. a couple always kind of quit or they move on or go to different teams but i basically stayed with that group till post-college you know we'd play amateurs and stuff um, but, and then Lori went on and just started, and so Becky did too, but. Yeah, lights out. I mean, we, we would just win regionals, win nationals, but the, also the side of it was like us and Bush back then, you know, it was before the St. Louis yes. Soccer Club and St. Louis Scott Gallagher. 
And so it would always kind of be a head-to-head with us. The other programs in the area, Coping Kicks, and it was uh, Iron Kids, and it was uh, oh, Coca-Cola was a team, and Wolfpack United, and all oh, those wow. other teams. So some of those are new. Some of those are, I, yeah. I, I'm a bit older than you, and, and there was actually, as we, I w- walked by and was passing some people here at the sports pub. There is a person here that was on my 12U or whatever, 13U coping team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, coping and some of those names are around, but then some of those other names, I think I had pro- most likely aged out of the club scene by yeah. the time those newer, for, to me, newer names came on. But yeah. JB and Bush for sure, um, coping, Coca-Cola, um, and then some of the other ones I've heard of, but I was, weren't around when I was playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm still friends with a lot of those girls. I mean, I talk to Lori all the time because I, I actually help her with recruiting because she takes some of my players. You know? Yeah, being so, over at Maryville, right? Yes, yeah. So uh, we have a good relationship, and it's just fun to just, you know, because we have that OG sense of what STL soccer was. You know, I know it's evolved and everything does, but, you know, it's just interesting to have that kind of background grit that we can talk about, you know. For sure. So I kind of a follow-up question would be that transition out of JB Marine, you know, and maybe we come back and talk a little bit about high school in a second, but uh, was there a measurable difference between the quality of your club team, your teammates, and kind of the level that you guys were playing at, at, at those regionals and nationals and really dominating than going to Missouri State? new group of girls, new coaches, new philosophy. What was what was the compare contrast between those two programs for you at that time? It's an awesome question. Um, I had a hard time. I So you go from being, I was the top player, you know, on my JB team, and I'm coming in as a freshman, okay? So I'm immediately, an, you know, underdog, kind of. You have to prove yourself a lot more. Uh, but I was a top recruit. Um, and so, and, and I mean, I typically played more of an attacking role. I was a, a wing player on an attacking role and all those spots were filled. Mm-hmm. And so if I wanted to play, I needed to adapt and be versatile, which I tell my players all the time, don't be one-sided in who you are, you know? And I, like I had a, I had a player last season that came up to me and she said, oh, my club coach, if, if you don't play me at center back, I don't think I'm going to play high school ball. I'm like... That's the silliest thing I've ever heard right. in my life. I'm like, yeah. why would you do that? They better not be a former yeah. Oakville United player because they know better. Yeah. No. I train them. You're a soccer player yeah. first, yeah. and yeah. positions come later. Exactly, exactly. So, um, But I went in, and uh, an outside back position was available, and I just owned it. And I used to actually go down with my boyfriend at the time, and he was a goalkeeper, and I was a field player. So it was awesome because I could just make runs, and I'd cross him into the box and he'd you know use use his training too and we would just get better and um and I ended up being defensive player of the year like two years in a row and and owning it you know and and it wasn't like me and then I'd come back to JB Marine in the summer and play for them just like amateur leagues and I had just accrued so much knowledge from that because multi-position playing helps you play every position and you understand the game better yeah yeah you know when you're a defender and, and let's say you go now and you're an attacker, you might think like how a defender might work with this. And, and I think that we, you know, this could be a little off topic, but you see it all the time with so many kids playing and, and so many more people getting educated about the game, which is great. We also sometimes see more like, 
um, predisposed to this is where I need to play. And I had a similar story when I was a freshman at Lindenwood. It was, you know, I did play two years as a targeting striker in a 4-4-2. And, and actually, I probably grew the most because I hated it because I was more of a straight on and I was checking back now and I wasn't really using my speed. I learned a ton. But then when Tim Champion took the program over for two years and I said, hi, I'm, my name is Jen Cease and I am one of your strikers. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, Oh my God, is he cutting me right now? And in, in, we were just like in an indoor tournament at like the Jamestown tournament. Sure. One of those like just, you know, where college teams come and just hammer one another. And he came to watch us and I thought, I'm, he's cutting me. And he's like, no, no. And he was right in his assessment. He's like, you don't like to hold the ball. You don't like your back to the goal. You're really fast. Can you run the whole game? I'm like, yes. And he's like, you'll be a wing, you know, you'll be a starting wing, mid, mid, wing midfielder. And I was like, Yes, sir. Uh, he's like, you can play striker, but you'd come off the bench, or you can be a starting wing midfielder. Well, I wanted to start and play all game, so there I was. Do, do you <laughs> actually? Well, let me ask you a question along those lines. Um, with kids in particular, do you think that the perceived education or the perceived soccer IQ of kids is getting uh, a little bit part of the problem? In so much that kids show up at the ages of 12, 13, 14, and they're like. But, you know, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm a six yeah. or I'm a nine yeah. or whatever. Um, I didn't think about the position number aspect to it. Yeah, because, I mean, it's become part of vernacular with the game. How do you manage that with uh, specifically the freshmen, sophomores? Because by the time they're juniors in your system, they probably know, hey, coach, is, <laughs> this is her way. I'll tell you, I scare them. Good. <laughs> I scare them. I mean, I, first day of training. I will have 80 plus girls sitting in front of me and I will say, there's only 60 jerseys that I have to give out. So do the math. If you didn't do any of the preseason stuff that I've been preaching on since last year uh, and all the availability that I give for off-season training and all the things that we do and you've been doing nothing, you're probably not going to be sitting here next week. Because it will show. Yes. It, there's no hiding that. Yeah, and in high school ball, it's such a different entity from club. And, and, and the freshmen especially don't understand it. The freshman parents don't understand it. But um, I get two weeks to take kids from the age brackets of 14 to 18 years old that are going through pubescent age, okay, mm -hmm. and, and learning about their social lives and their social worlds and everything's changing, to try to put them together in three teams to be yep. successful. And I don't have time to deal with like, I'm a six and I'm a this and I'm a that. And I tell them that. And I even tell them too, I'm like, I don't want to see your club shirts here. Right. You need to divorce yourself from that because that's not what this is. If you want to play in this program, you're an Oakville soccer player. And so I don't allow any type of club clothing after preseason's over. Um, and uh, I want them to feel like this is Oakville soccer. Like this is not anything else. I don't care what your club coach's formation is or what he thinks you need to be in your position wise or la 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 la. If you want to play, and you can't you possibly do that. Do that. Yeah. You, you can't. There's there's no way you could take all those players from all those different clubs and try to make something that works for all of them so everybody's happy yeah. with it. You can't no, do you that. Cannot. And 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 I. I <laughs> I used to be scared of the parent emails. Now I, I'm like, okay, bring it on. Because you've been, you been how long have you been in Oakville, remember? 18 years. Whoa. And I've been coaching for 18 years. I've been head coach for six. Okay. Let me let me ask you a question about parent interaction because on, um, on the other side of our podcast coin here on Soccer Dad Pod, we had Dave Ehrenberg from Ledoux High on. Uh, he told us the story, and I mean, it made national news, where the parents sued him yes. for, because he cut the player. Yes. Oh my gosh, I forgot that was. We have to do here. different protocol because of that. 
Yeah, so my question is, what's your uh, parent Sue story? You know, the, the email that really stands out that kind of uh, is indicative of what you as a coach at Oakville, like any other parent listening, like, holy shit, I'm not going down that path. What's a story where it was just crossed the line and here's your position? Oh, boy. Or are I've there got too a lot. many? No. <laughs> too many, but there's definitely one that stands out. Um, so, you know, everyone thinks their kid's the best. You know, you're going to want to think that. Uh, and if your kid's a really good player, you know, there could be. But it's, again, one of those things where high school ball is a completely di- different entity. Your, your club season, you've been playing with those girls, you know that your formation, you know your back line, you know everything that's going on. You come into high school ball. And even if you were to play the same position every single year, it's going to change. All the players around you are going to change. The, the, you know, you could have the freshman 15 happens to the girl that peaked her freshman year. I mean, there's so many variables that go into changing what's going on in the program. So I had a dad one year that freshman year, his daughter was playing freshman team. And I knew of her. She came to my camps. She was very good. I was excited about having her. Um, and being a female soccer coach, and which is rare, you know, as a head coach. Um, still too rare. Still too rare. I agree. Um, you know, he approached one of my assistants to talk about what was going on at our tryouts. And because um, thinking that was a head coach. What, was that first strike? That was first strike. Yes. Went to the I think it's ma- hilarious, went to the man though. coach. Yeah, went yeah. to the man. Which happens a lot happens too so um, with officials. Oh, I laugh. It doesn't my- happen in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm thir- I'm after the cats. So Well, we have fish, so. <laughs> um, they would probably win in my house too. So. Um, but yeah, uh, just approached him. You could just tell the body language. I wasn't close enough to the conversation to hear what was being said, but I could tell it was kind of heated. Like, what's going on? It's like second day of preseason. Oh, my God. And the way that I run things in my preseason is I keep the freshmen together for a couple days. I don't just, just because I saw you in camp and you were good, you're already going to automatically be up with the JV maybe or the varsity. So, you know, I want you to prove yourself with your peers. Um, And so, anyways, that's what the conversation was about. His lovely darling is the best player ever to grace the halls of Oakville, which was verbatim what he said to my assistant coach. Wow. Um, and <laughs> I engraved uh, that somewhere. Yeah. And just so, write the name on this whiteboard. <laughs> person. I will. Um, but so it ended up being a very interesting four years. Let me just say that. But that was how it all started. Um, and there was um, a point in time where um, People had to be kicked out of games. Um, And it's just like banding the child against us because we weren't doing what she did with her club teams and we were always wrong and our formation was wrong and passing to certain players and being, you know, selfish with the ball and just everything. And this, to be honest with you, is where I often will get a player. Whether it's this, like a high school player, it could be a club player, but when they're they're stuck between... um, JB, are you trying to order a beer? Well, I'm going to order a beer. <laughs> Would I you mean, like one well, too? No, she probably can't, okay, but I yeah, can. Yeah, 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 sorry. she got to go to school. There we go. So so I often, um, it's not unusual for me to work on mindset. I've, I've just kind of been, it, I love it when the parents will reach out when they're like, we don't feel like yep. we, we, we are the right person to help her because we've got some skin in the game. You know, and I've had like, uh, players like trying to, and, and I've literally had two players at the same high school 
and one was deciding to play. And I know it's a little bit of a different time, but one was just, they're both trying to figure out where should I go. And one decided one way and one decided the other. But what I loved about it was that it, they had parental support. And what I hate about all of this is when the player, who honestly, I don't know, Sarah, how you feel, but I feel like even the hardest player you hear about, like, oh, this player's really tough. They're, it's not. They're not so tough. It's when they're, they're stuck between parental or grown-up drama. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's yeah. coach, whether that's parents, whether that's, you know, somebody else. It, it, when they get stuck, it is so hard for them, and it can break them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It can break them. Do, do you have, like, a code of conduct? For the parents, um, theoretical yeah. in writing, I mean, is we there... We do. I mean, we do as a... Does anybody read it? <laughs> I say, go over this when we're in the parent meeting, sure. um, if they do or not. But yeah, we do have to have one just for, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's, but... Ha- have you seen over the years, you know, m- much in line with, uh, you know, we were talking about kids, soccer IQ being somewhat superficial with numbers of players and positions and all that stuff. To a degree, parents are also getting or gaining soccer IQ with the popularity of the game. Uh, you know, City SC and, frankly, FIFA. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of parents now that we're gamers yeah. uh, that are knowing it. Do, do, is it getting easier or is it, are they getting worse because they think they know more? I think it's worse. Because the information that they're getting and gaining is, you know, if, and it also depends on if they were a player or not, hmm. you know. Or it, it, that's the question, though. Yeah. What's harder to have a, a player whose parents are largely in, ignorant of the game because they didn't play? Um, or you got one or two parents. We've seen it on the U.S. men's national team. Both parents played. And, you know, <laughs> and we all have opinions about, I mean, yeah. when my daughter runs in a, in a, in a left or right wing mid... <laughs> That's my spot, right? And so when I'm watching, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could, inside I'm thinking, you should be doing this, you should be doing this, but should she? I, I don't probably real. I know the game, but I don't know this game. I don't know what her coach wants in that point in time and what her team needs. I wonder if that might be harder. <laughs> but the those. difference is, is you at least are cognizant of that. It's taken a few years. <laughs> the problem is, is the parents that aren't. Yeah. So they think they know all this stuff, and even if they were players or not, they, you know, it's that drive home from the from the game conversation. Oh, there you go. There you have that it. That is either making or breaking them. And, it, and it's, oh, well, this is what you should have done. And I watched this YouTube video and, and I did this when I was your age and this, that and the other. And maybe it's this is new, you know, and they need to figure out those problems themselves and actually have those conversations more with their coach. Or, yeah. you know what I mean? If it's something that needs to be talked about. Um, but I would rather almost have the parent that was the ignorant parent that instead of the one that just thinks my they favorite know parents to coach were the ones who said nothing to me. Yes. Except yes. they just love their kids. Bye. Yeah. Thank they you. just wanted their kids to have See a good ya. time. And yeah. they're, they, they weren't the fake, like we know nothing and we have nothing in this. Cause I had one of my, the worst was the, the, the kind of the prophesizing that we, and then they were actually a problem. But so my favorite parents were the ones I like, just got to wave, yeah. got to see ya. And they were, they were my favorite and they, and I felt like they, you know, if they had questions, they were legitimate questions and they Mm -hmm. didn't grab me in a parking lot or while I was getting my own four children into, because we all have lives, right? And you have your own little. I've had altercations in a local bar down the street. 
from a parent. Not like, this bar. Not sports. Not club. sports club. <laughs> definitely not. This place is amazing. Colleen would not put up with that. No, no, <laughs> no. I had uh, one down the road, but uh, yeah, because I didn't start as kid. And yeah, just, I, I mean, that's why I stopped coaching. Yeah, but realistically, how do you handle that though? Because it's it's not going to stop. Like again, I I see this as an opportunity, almost like this is a PSA. You know, you as a coach for your program, because there's going to be your players and parents that will listen to this. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's your what's your mission statement to them as far as like how you expect? Because you you clearly talk to the the girls, mm-hmm. you tell them what you expect from them, and then you make them do it. Yeah. And if they don't do it, you know, they're one of those twenty that don't get the sixty jerseys. Yeah. Right. What do you say to parents? Like, what would you tell parents? Here's what you expect, and how we can all thrive. I think they need to start having more conversations with their kids about it before they come attack us because the chain of command has gotten lost. Um, and, and here's a perfect example. I've had a grown man father come to me in tears before a match because his daughter, goalkeeper, didn't play and didn't really ever play because in goalkeeping, I mean, if you've got One a spot. stud goalkeeper, unless you're up a bunch of goals or, or in, she's injured, you ain't going in. Right. And so, and she was a pretty talented goalkeeper, but the girl that we had starting was their MVP from the prior year and she was a stud. And, you know, he's like, ah, oh, my child and she's never going to get seen and all these college coaches want to know and blah, 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 blah. And I, I was just like, you know, have you talked to your daughter? Like, is, is she unhappy? Because to me, she doesn't seem like she's unhappy. Like, she's having less. So then fast forward, I have the conversation with her and I'm like, are you not having a good time? Like, is everything? Wrong? And she's like, oh, my gosh, I love it. I'm having the best time. And, and that's the thing is they don't have a conversation with their own children. It's their own pride that yeah. they can't overcome. They don't want to be the parent that's sitting in the stands when their little darling's sitting on the bench. And yep. they're the ones with the problem. It's not their kids. No, yeah. pa- parents look at that starting lineup and they see the last name, not the first name. That's right. Well, that's here's exactly another right. thing that's evolved that I think we, we forget about. Back in our time, we didn't have the social media we have now. None. Okay, my kids are still right. like trying to... Uh, <laughs> we had rotary phones. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, and that's a part of people's you know, put out there, you know, it's like, you want to be like the Joneses. And so, oh, my kid starts and plays and they're committed here and they're doing this and they've got all these goals and all this wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And then it's like the other parent that doesn't get all that media and their kid's not on the starting yeah. line. Their kid's this and the other. So then they're sitting in the stands like, why am I not standing there filming my kid right now on the field? And then they have problems with it. Right. So it's, there's that problem we got to deal with as well that just, you know, is just a part of life and things changing. But There's a fun, like, I, I remember saying it one time and I was like, oh, I should trademark that saying or whatever you call that. I, it said, you was just talking probably in a pub with just a bunch of people and said, you know, if, if, if a parent, some strange, some strange place, probably here is if a parent is burning more calories than their athlete worrying or working on this, you know, when they're pacing on the sideline, then you're doing it wrong. If we are, if we are doing more and here I have started to get really, I guarantee if I had my eye watch on and be like, Hey, you need to like take a breath. Um, but if we're into it a lot more than our kids, we're doing it wrong. And, and I've had moments where I've, I've realized like, oh, wow, I'm a lot more invested in this moment than my child at this time. She's seven. You know, like, yeah. relax. <laughs> um, I know she just took a volley and it looked sweet, but I'm not going to call Lori Kalutney and ask her to come out and see her right now. Like, let's take a pill. So 
that's an 80s saying. There you um, go. Let's take a pill. So I, I just find like when, and I do get them too, Sarah, on um, the, the mindset. I'm not coaching the game anymore um, that way, but kind of the game. And it doesn't matter the sport, but I, I will have lovely, lovely parents. And then they'll offer to also, with my mindset, send me all the video and they've cut all the highlights. And I'm like, dude, she's 13. Yeah. We don't have a career yet. There is no career and, and there will be nothing if you, if, and it, it, I trained a team at high school, not Oakville, here in St. Louis, our varsity player, probably their most var- promising varsity player. When she was done as a senior, she was done. She did not want to go play in college. She was done with, with hearing it from one of the parents. She was just, she couldn't take it anymore. And that's what's ahead of some of them, if, if we're not careful, right? Yeah. Well, in the path too, like, I used to not talk to my parents about like post high school, you know, what, what are these kids going to do? Where are they going to go? But the problem now is, is everyone already is putting that bumper sticker on the back of their SUV for the D1 school that their kid's going to plan. Right. So what I like to do now is give my parents the quantitative facts of the rarity that your kid's going to play D1 ball. So I'm like, you know, only like... 4% of uh, high school athletes in the school are going to play D1 and, only, well, no, college ball. And right. then 1% of that are going to play D1. Yeah, and Wendy you, Dillinger, who was it? she's moved since from Lufuse to St. Louis Development Academy, um, and she played very, uh, very high level. She went to Rush, didn't she? Oh, was she a Rush? Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. I got that wrong. So Rush. Um, I, I do like one, when we had one of the parent meetings early, early on when I knew, uh, I knew of her as a player, I was a little older than her, and I played her in an indoor tournament, and... She does hit really hard, just so you guys know. <laughs> Dude, I went to those boards. <laughs> and But she said something really great that at the time. She's like, it's about fit. You know, not, you can dream D1, and as a human being, you may hate the D1 experience. Where the different Ds, um, the different levels, find your fit. It doesn't mean you're a bad player. It just means the, the, the level and what you do may not be what you want to do and that lifestyle that you live as maybe a D1 versus a D3 versus a whatever, you know, really needs to be a fit or you're going to be in misery. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How, how do you manage that process? Because kids come in with parent, both personal and parental expectations when it comes to pathway. Is it, do you address it up front? Is it a after the fact or as needed conversation? So um, now that I've, you know, been head coach for six years, so now I've seen uh, one full group through and I'm about halfway through with a few, um, I, at the freshman level, will say, listen, if you are aspiring for your child, your player to end up playing post-college, I want to know their plans. The other thing is, is high school ball is not really seen as the pathway for recruitment anymore. It's more with the club teams, which has kind of taken a little bit of the, you know, anxiety for me when it comes to like that process off. Because oh, that's interesting. I didn't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Anticipate you'd say it that way. I didn't think about it that way. Well. It, of course, I want to help these girls, but they put more eggs in their basket with their club team when it comes to being recruited. They're seen more there. I mean, and it's from the other side of it. No, not really a lot of college coaches contact me anymore to come to our games, unless we're going to like a showcase. Like um, uh, Parkway Showcase was one that we've had the past few years. It's been awesome. Um, but they now have folded that one. I don't know why, but it was really the only main way that a bunch of college coaches in one sitting could come watch the girls. Yeah, because so. they want to kind of like get bang for the buck if we're going to send people there. Come look, I want to see a yeah. lot of players at yeah. one time. Yeah, but because recruiting is expensive. Uh, I mean, yeah. it really is. Yeah, 
and I have Huddle, and I use that. And if a girl wants me to cut her a video, I can just contact Huddle, and they'll do it, and it's wonderful. But a lot of the times they're using it with their club teams. But what I try to do now is I tell them they need a voice with me if they're wanting to be a you know, college athlete. And then, I mean, I'll give them my perspective of what level of Ds I think, or JUCO even, you know, that they, they need to maybe go apart and be a part of. Um, because let's be honest, what's the whole goal of this girl in the end? Is this girl in the end going to be a pro soccer player? Or she probably need to, you know, get a really good education and go on and start her career and do that and this and that and the other. I mean, if you think about the whole of the group, what percentage are actually going to yeah. go on and play pro? So then these parents have this, this mindset of, well, what's their thoughts? Their thoughts are, I just either want that bumper sticker because I want to be able to, you know, be cool in front of my friends that my kid plays D1. Or is it, do I want my kid to get a good education? Or do I want my kid to play a lot when they play in college? Or this, that, and the other. And I guess having those conversations with them early on helps me understand which path would be best for their kids. And I'm not afraid to be honest. Well, you know, okay. like, no, I've I heard that about you. I, don't, so, I like that. So I like let, it. Let's, yeah. assume, let's assume there's 20 girls that are roughly in that varsity pool out of your 63 teams, right? Of the 20 today... How many would you say come to you to have that conversation and how many do you wish would come to have that conversation with you? This past year I had about 10. Half? Mm -hmm. Half the team? Yeah, okay. about half the team. Is, is that number reflective of, of a group or the number that you think had that potential or was it overreach or do you think it was some were no, un I think under, more underserved? could have done it. Yeah. It was underserved because... I have constantly off of field level and all these different, you know, coaches like like blog um, software that I use. They are in need of players everywhere, you know, and I, I'd be like I'd get one from we need a GK at the, you know, the D3 level here. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, this one girl would be so perfect there. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like she already committed because she wanted to go here because it was a bigger school and it was more fun and la-di-da-di-da. But, you know, she's not getting a soccer scholarship and continuing playing the sport that she loves. And she could have, I could have pushed her in that path. You know, and so it's, yes, there's a lot of regret because I, I wish some of the players would just own up to their, and the parents, not just the players, but would, instead of just put into their minds that they need to play at this level or, you know, when they again, around their peers or in social media, everyone's committing here, everyone's committing there. It's more of being like, well, what's what's important here in the end? Do you, do you love this sport so much that you can't see yourself stopping playing? And I mean, you could still play intramurals and a lot of girls get closure from that because mm -hmm. they still play that. I hear awesome. intramurals can be really competitive. Oh, intramurals can beat the teams. <laughs> they will scrimmage them sometimes yeah. and beat them. Wow. So, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not that that's like a junky little, you know, group to be a part of. I'm just you know it's it's but they're not getting their college paid for right you know right. and and they could have and, and i almost feel like so don't say i never used my master's degree um industrial organizational <laughs> psych there's a concept you talk about called an rjp a realistic job preview right and so it's like you try to get businesses to really show a you know potential person that's going to come into the role like a day in the life a week in the life of this job so that we retain right we have retention and wouldn't that be great if on the college levels you you and i know every college is a little bit different but like what does a day in the life of a d1 athlete look like what is a day in life d2 you still have a great college. what does that look like you know and i i do know of there was a gentleman i met in st louis whose kids are all older now but there's a book out and i don't have it in front of me but it's like top like 40 colleges you should look to or something and 
you know, his kid was, you know, good enough uh, to play at a D1 level, but after kind of going through and meeting, decided on, I think, D3, and he's like, I said, how do you, he goes, he loved it. He just, that experience for him, yeah. he did not want, turns out he found out that even though he could play, the kind of life that you lead, and only at 18 years old, um, you're starting at 18 years old, you're barely an adult. You can't even you can't even drink here in sports pub with me yeah. right now. You can't do it, and and here you are and leading a a literal almost almost like a pro levelish job. Oh and, yeah. And, and and I didn't play NCAA Division One, so I only know what I hear. Um, but that you know it it's got to fit the person. And then what do they want to study? If that degree is really demanding, like a medical degree or something else, that's a whole different level. It's really like that level. And I also agree with you, Sarah. I don't know that that is. The, the, the child speaking or is it parent speak through the child? And that's the children kind of, we do. I mean, my four <laughs> are all different and I, yeah. they all have strong personalities, but I'm, I, I'd be lying to myself if I didn't say that I didn't have some, some influence on that. Um, and I constantly check in with that. The girl who just turned 15 today who at the moment says, I want to play for the U.S. Women's National Team. And I'm like, yeah, go, girl, but you don't have to. Like, I want you to know that you don't have, I'm going to cry, you don't have to do that for me. I mean, I, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't good <laughs> enough to do that. But you don't have to do that for me. And if you ever decide that you don't want to do that, we change it. I want you to know that. And she's like, yeah, mom, whatever. I gotta, can you buy me something for my birthday? I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, hopefully that conversation rings true one day. <laughs> well, you're a rarity because I, I wish most parents would have that conversation or say the exact phrase to their kids because they don't. And, and I think it's taken time, though. It's taken, yeah. there, there's definite, uh, when, when they first started, Sarah, yeah. let me just paint you a picture. I was at Queen of All Saints just down the road here. And I had uh, my oldest, who is uh, uh, kindergarten on their little kindergarten fields. He was playing. And I, I, I use the phrase playing lightly. He was picking dandelions and doing Thor hammer moves. Not, not Bertrand hammer, like Thor <laughs> hammer. And, and he was playing. My daughter, Marin, who's now 15, was like two or three. She was chasing around the concession stand truck so much that I thought, they're going to hit her. They had a concession stand truck that will come to you, JB, and deliver your beer. Love it. You love it. And then I had my now 12-year-old, Liam, who was a baby on that baby Bjorn carrier. And my husband, who was gone, refereeing MLS, said, would it, would, it be awesome, would it be awesome if you could tape Georgie's game so I can watch it when he get home? Like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. And I was at that moment. And when I realized, because he's kind of, a, he was an athletic kid, like around the house. But he got there and he sucked. He sucked so bad. And like all these other boys are like kicking the ball. And Georgie's like, hey, tra-la-la. And I'm like, what? We couldn't play the volume to, because uh, George watched back the video, and I'm like, why do you have it on mute? He, he goes, Georgie, hey, go find somebody you're ready. I'm muting. <laughs> There's a point where I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I don't want to paint myself as a saint because I have been that parent. <laughs> oh, I have too. Believe me, I have a six-year-old son that decided now that soccer, he, he does not like it anymore. Oh, no way. Yeah, he's playing does, football. Okay. Does he love computer programming, though? You rich. know, he, does, he is like That's a Minecraft okay. specialist. Oh, run with it. That's AI. It's a degree but, now. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's I like know. Like whole degree. So I just wanted to like sports, but I've been there too. Yeah, I've I been mean, there with that them. moment where I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting worked worked up with a baby who's now upset because he's on me wondering why mom is so pissed off, and a a, a three year old that I keep telling her, leave me alone, or here's a freaking dollar for your stupid concession stand truck. <laughs> is that guy drinking beer? Because he's gonna hit you. And then my five year old, who is the worst, he ended up being a pretty good player. He's, he's since done playing, but he was pretty good. But he was the worst player on the field. And do you know what? I was embarrassed. He was not embarrassed. My kids were not embarrassed. No, I mean, no other parents cared. But in that moment that I'm embarrassed about, I did. Mm-hmm. And that was, I'm glad we could mute it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you need a quick break. I do. I'm going to get another beer. <laughs> we're going to quick refills here at. Yeah. Oh, uh, What? Where are we? Oh, we're at Oakville Sports Pub. Oakville Sports Pub. <laughs> With Sarah Gunta. Yeah, Gunta. Gunta. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. All right. Be right back. How's that? Sounds good. All right. Oh, man. There you go. Here's a... You like this one? Yeah. Soccer Mom Sunday song. Kind of like Fiona Appleish. <laughs> you know, like that. Very, very, very close. Vibey. It is Bjork. Oh. Oh, Silent man. J. Um, There's a name. Yeah, this one kind of inspired me a little bit. Just the title of the song is called Human Behavior. I almost would have accidentally said cranberries with the lilt that yeah. she has in her voice. Yeah. Yeah, Bjork, you remember her, the I little dark haired, like, yeah. I'm super innocent, but More I'm like weird. More like bird costumes on yeah. the red carpet or stuff like that. Yes. I love it. So we're back. We're back on the Soccer Mom Sunday podcast. Soccer Mom Sunday, recording with, on a Friday. With Jen C's, J.B. Anderson, and Sarah Gunther. Gunther. Guns, yes. like guns. Gunther. Like her arms are guns. Yes. And we're going to get to some uh, nutrition and, and yeah. fitness stuff, which is your jam, which I love. Um, not only y- you coming in, and I'm always a fan of a, of a female coach, right? And then they have certain focuses, and, and yours is nutrition. But before we do that, you know, JB, I know you got some feedback on the first podcast. Well, yeah, I wanted to, like, have some attention, but wow. Well, I, th- <laughs> I, I think... Um, the the proverbial high school versus club versus uh, everybody else, right? Um, this whole conversation and debate, so to speak, has just really exploded. And I think in large part to kind of the way the game has changed uh, structurally, in t- especially in towns like ours, um, where clubs have always been around, have always been great, but there was there was a certain amount of synergy between clubs and high schools just based on the way that the the leagues were structured um and then you compound the whole uh conversation and debate with uh the the, what's been going on with the men's program Mm -hmm. missing a world cup is development right what should where should they be you know where's pathway and now with the recently uh uh, the women's world cup in the near rearview mirror here uh and the way that the u.s women's team for all intent and purposes, bounced out uh, way too early. So there's a whole lot of debate going on there. Uh, it's just a subject that, you know, can't wait to get your take on this. But uh, just out of the gate, um, loved I loved your perspective earlier as to how you approach your season. You know, the 80 girls are on a line and you're like, look, I only have 60 jerseys. We're going to start there. Very black and white. 
Um, and you also talked a little bit about how the the clubs have started to take the majority of the kind of the club stress off off your shoulders, in spite of the fact that you're willing and, and, and want to help more of them. Talk, just give us your opinion as to the state of affairs, the relationship between the two, as it applies to your world today, knowing, I mean, you came from JB Marine as it was, you know, peaking yeah. and things have shifted. What, what's your two cent take on it, the landscape? To me, it's become diluted. I mean, back when I played, you there was one age bracket per club yeah i know there was you there played weren't for seven marine, divisions with 70 teams you played for jb marine you right. were the only one so it, right. like same for me it lost its it lost that luster it's almost like i had kids coming in and they'd say oh i play for you know st Lawrence scott gallery i play for luffy's i play for colby kicks whoever and and they had pride in it and i want them to have pride in it you know i mean the majority play for their club teams and they do for me but then it got to the point where it didn't mean anything anymore because it was like well which level yeah. Were you on there? Yeah. You know? Are you and premier like, are you on championship or down to division team seven? only that doesn't ever play a game? Like, I mean, and so it's just, it's, it's kind of gotten to that point where I, anymore, like we used to even have it, Robin and I coached under Dave Robin for the first 10 years of my coaching tenure. And I, you know, missed that man. He was the second father of mine. And he really saw it all. Yes. And uh, he kind of had a, you know, different perspective of cl- the club world. But, um, you know, he used to have a questionnaire because he'd want to know, like, do you play club? Because that was a big difference if you only came from playing, like, in your church leagues or if you came from a club team because back then it meant something. Right. Now it's just kind of like, well, whatever. Again, I don't even have them wear their jerseys or their shirts anymore. They're not right. even allowed to. I don't I want wouldn't either. To. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Yeah. And I, I think that it's actually, I know this is, it's same but different, but... When I coached, George and I coached, and, and Scott, we actually, the way we formed Oakville United was just two rival boys teams at Queen, at yeah. Queen of All Saints. And and we, it took us a bit to, to realize, like, you're, you guys aren't, you know, Coach Hannock, Queen of All Saints anymore, and you guys aren't Coach Gansner, Queen of All Saints anymore. You were one team on Oakville United, and it, and it took a little bit to mesh that. And so I, on a smaller scale, but kind of the same also, I grew up in Fenton and St. Paul, and I don't know what St. Paul is in the CYC soccer world anymore, but at the time, we thought we were really good. And I do remember the debate and the frustrations when um, they you know, started losing CYC, losing players to club, right? You know, I didn't go to club till I was in fourth grade. I don't know if my parents weren't soccer parents. Maybe they were late to the game, or maybe it wasn't available. I don't remember. Um, Mastercraft was the first team, so there, yeah. there you go. And it didn't last long, and we were coping. But it was it, it's like the same debate, but just a little bit different on a different level, that there was frustration because it was CYC and play for your Catholic school and play for city county, and now the clubs are taking. And, and it's kind of the same but different maybe with high school and club. I think the biggest thing we have to look at here is what's this end result? The end result is, is you know, don't we want to just raise these – um, you know, children that are going to go on and be successful, whether they're playing a sport or not, whether, you know, but they need to have a path. And, you know, if, if you know, they're going to get it through being seen in their club scheme more, you know, then that's their choice or whatever. Um, but when we debate from club ball versus high school ball, it, it's just such an amazing thing to be able to go out and play for your 
peers, play for the people you've grown up with that you've known forever, have pride in your school, um, wear that jersey, go out there. It, it's something that will is so different from what you've been doing 90% of the time with your club teams. Um, and it, it, it's, it's happiness. So in the end, really, it's, it's happiness, right? Because getting a career and having a family and being successful and when you go to college is you want to be happy. So it's like that's really the end result here is, is mental stability, happiness, doing things that you love. Um, and not everyone's going to get to be able to go on and play college. And so we, right. we, all these parents put all this money and effort into, you know, club, 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 club. We're, we're going to do this. We want that bumper sticker, this, that, and the other. Forget about high school. High school is just going to make you drop your level. You're going to be behind. You're not going to get seen. You're not going to get that, that, and the other. And it's absolute craziness. Because then, again, the kids are the ones that are, are hurting here because then they have the pressure from their parents like, well, all these other players on the team are, are forfeiting high school ball to go play for the club team, and so you're not going to do it. And then, then it's like, well, are you already committed somewhere? Like, I've had players that were already committed, and they still decided to go play for their, high, or their club teams. Right. And it's like, well, what was the whole point? I mean, I get it, they're, they're, what, developing? But what... So the four pillars, right? And your four pillars, tactical, technical, uh, mental, and physical, right? Okay? So, you know... It, it, and the mental one is the most important because it's the driving force of them all. And then when to, to drive the mental, you got to have, you know, the nutrition and you've got to have all the things. And so in the end, it's like we're, we're pushing all of this, you know, crazy talk of what we think their lives are going to become and we don't allow them to go have fun. I have so many girls that will, that have forfeited, well, not so many now, a few that have forfeited playing high school ball. And then when season comes around, you should see their body language at school. It is like they hear the announcements of how we beat Eureka in double overtime, double penalty kicks last night, and it was amazing, and blah, 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 scored, and this girl got the assist, and they weren't a part of it. Right. Because of why? Because of what reason? Because they're going to go on and get a little bit more maybe who knows development, or maybe they're not. You know, I have girls that come in from club programs, and I can tell which club program they come from because of the way that they play. Maybe they're really good technically. You know, they have that fast one-two ball. You know, they can keep it on their foot. They're great. But we play full field, and it's like womp, womp, womp. You know, because they don't ever get to train full field because they probably have 16 other teams that are trying to share a field at the same time. See what I'm saying? So maybe they're losing development if they're sticking with one thing all the time. I mean, you think about trying to make yourself better at anything else. You're going to want to try to tap in here and try to get better at this and, and learn a little bit of that and learn a little bit of this. Well, maybe it's not the greatest thing in the world to just stick with one coach and the same players and you're in the same position and you're this, that, and the other 90% of the year. Why not divorce yourself from that? Go play for your school. Go have some pride. Go play uh, in front of your boyfriend and your friends and, and to get that camaraderie and that pride and, and you know, and, and, and it makes your, you happy, which should be the end goal of it all. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. So you're saying that kids are supposed to be happy? <laughs> what? <laughs> Not I mine. didn't get that memo. Not my four. Don't tell them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, if, if you don't mind. I, no, I, please. I, I, I love the fervor because it's a very direct answer. It's a very direct response to what you're seeing in real time. How do you, how do you foresee managing that balance moving forward because the growth the the prowess the power of 
to leagues like ECNL and the GA, for, they're growing. We all see it in real time. Um, the high school game, especially here in St. Louis, it, because we are a very unique marketplace. I mean, let's just call a spade Brady a spade. actually kind of opened my eyes to that. I don't think I really fully understood how, how... I mean, I knew it, like, where'd you go to high school, but I didn't really yeah, realize yeah. it was that unique but, also in soccer. Yeah, when it comes to soccer, though, you look across the nation historically the last 20, 30, 40 years, look, there's no region in the country, maybe Jersey, okay, Jersey up, up in heard. the Northeast. Yep. Uh, n- nothing's like what St. Louis has done on both sides of the, uh, the, the ball, uh, men's and women's. Um, and now with the growth of the clubs, my question to you is, you know, do you think a part of it is just we've been spoiled because of the quality and the quantity of our high school experiences? Um, and, you know, you look at the Women's World Cup. We mentioned this just a little bit earlier. Look at the winners, you know, Spain. Their whole system, their whole structure, Schools are not involved in that path, right? They literally took the, the, the men's program after years of, you know, being misogynistic and not allowing them to do it. They're uh, making some changes now. Uh, they're trying. They better <laughs> they fast. But, the, but, their, but their system is literally a silo. It's a path. Um, well, even Julie Foudy, I think, was just yeah. recently on her own podcast saying, and I asked the same question to Bree, and, and, you know, I think sometimes when we think back, like, I can think back all the way to Michelle Akers, that's how old I am, and then, you know, you think back to the 99ers who were younger than me, so, but still cool, is I think sometimes we romanticize how technically good those players were. I mean, they were they were ass kickers. They worked their butts off. They, they, they never let anything stop them. They had a different mentality, but even Julie Foudy was like, uh, we never moved the ball like Spain just did. Yeah. It, like, so, like to your point, Sarah, like so much has changed. The game has changed on so many levels. Yeah. So my question is really simple. How how if you're if you're a marriage counselor, <laughs> right? If you put a different hat on, what would you do? What would you say to try and blend these two worlds here in 2023? You know, with with kind of the state of soccer in St. Louis first. Well, where where would you start? I would say, you know, we need to try to be on board with the club coaching staffs. I mean, it's gotten to the point where the phrases I hear from the girls that the club coaches are saying about high school ball, you know, and and just down cutting us and saying, oh, well, you're just going to, you know, lose touch on the ball and you're not going to, you're going to lose your fitness and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And I don't want you playing a certain position. So you lose your development and all these things that are being said, you know, it, it, it's, it's just slander basically on our part. And then it's like in the marriage counseling, it's like the, the, you know, baby daddy's talking bad about the baby mama and the kids got to get mental training. And that's what's going on here. You know, the kids got to go to counseling because they're talking bad about each other. And, and I mean, I'll tell you right now, I try to refrain from slandering their club teams, but if, you know, they're doing certain things and I mean, they're saying certain things like I'm only a center back. My club coach only wants me to play center back. I'm like, that's, that's just nonsense. Yeah. That's nonsense. I mean, and, and they get so, like, just crazy anxious about it. And, yeah. you know, I'll, I put a girl who was playing center back for me this past season. We weren't generating any attack. And so I'm like, I need you to just go in the middle. Go score goals. Just, go, just get up there. And she just looks at me <clears throat> like, like craziness. And I'm like, go. And she did it. She was like, oh, my gosh, that was so much fun. Probably I'm made like, her a better player, too. And, yeah. And in I'm like, end. why? 
I wish we could all just have a conference and be like, listen, if you want your kids to be better when they come out of the three months that I have them, then you have to stop having this slanderous, you know, talk about us and the body language that you, you say about us. I mean, in the end, if they're going to end up choosing to play for us, we might as well try to compromise something. Okay, I'm not saying we should do this. I'm just going to throw this out there. And I don't have time for it. But yes. is it systemic? Meaning, is it Missouri? Is it so hard? And I don't know how it is elsewhere. You know, I'm thinking of the clubs and I'm thinking of Misha and I'm thinking of things that I hear sometimes about the, even our ODP, that, that it doesn't, it, these things are more um, fighting or, or against one another silos than they are, like you said, working together for the benefit of the player. And every player might have a different want or need. I'll give you an example of my own kid. She, Marin did not, we didn't grow up in Kirkwood. I don't have an affiliation with Kirkwood. I love it. It's been great. I am playing there. I played for Eureka. Um, but I grew up in Fenton and it was a weird time. And um, I, even then, I don't know if I honestly have a personal care that she plays for her school. If she wants to play for her school and she's like, I want to have that experience, I would be all for it. If she's said to me, Mom, I want to stick with my GA team because we, we come, the hard part is for the girls, they come right out of high school season. And for her team, they had like four weeks to kind of get their stuff back together as a team. And I, I would lie if I say it wasn't a struggle. It was a struggle for them to put that back together. But whichever way for her, for me, and like whatever what you want to do, I'll, I'll try to help you with pros and cons. You know, everything has a payoff. Like you said, like if you don't play for your high school team, you're going to hear on the announcements and you won't be a part of that. You have to be okay with that and say, my purpose is here. But then if you choose a different purpose, my purpose is here. And we as adults should be the ones, all of us, supporting that, I yeah. think. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, my, my question to you is maybe this. Um, do, do you think that, and there's a lot of uh, facets to this question, but do you think maybe because of the success of the high school scene in our back backyard here, it's given us a false sense of security, a, an unrealistic uh, viewpoint of what is really going on in the club world, you know, the academy worlds, et cetera. And uh, speak to Misha in particular, because I look at, um, and I've had conversations with other high school coaches that are very open about the divisions and the districts. Um, the way that it's structured, you could have, you know, if I'm a college coach and I'm looking at your schedule, you could theoretically have eight to 10 games that I'm looking at it and I'm like, those are throwaway games, right? How, how can I really evaluate your best talent if half the season is against, you know, a, a school that can't get 22 girls to come try out in total? What, what can be done structurally within the high school environment to help not maybe legitimize the process a little bit more and become more competitive. Well, I um, don't know if you guys heard about the Champions League. Just heard about it, actually. Yeah. So I'm glad that you know because I that, that text was like, <laughs> yeah. so can you explain, help me with that understanding? Because um, I just heard about it. So my understanding is they're going to basically form their own little league basically off of top players that come out of high school and so basically what you've performed in your high school um i guess season it would qualify for you to be in the champions league is what i've kind of read it as when um uh, kohler sent that out he sent out the yeah. um 
the email to everybody, but um, I don't know much else from what the email sent, but from, from my knowledge, it sounds amazing because then that will give the high school what it needs in that facet of, all right, well, if we're going to have colleges and we want them to feel like they're going to get something out of this, that way we can extract the players that are going to be the hardest workers, the ones that are going to be, you know, prioritize the fact that they want to be seen enough to be a part of this league. And if that's the case and they make this league, then, then we'll, we'll play this really cool league and then, then the college coaches could come and see that. Because the answer to your question about Misha and the districting and all that, I mean, I can see it from all perspectives how hard that is. I mean, when we did our seating meeting this year, because my district is, it's Jackson, it's Seckman, it's Fox, Melville, uh, Lindbergh and us, uh, and uh, Poplar Bluff, okay? okay? So, I mean... From Cape, Cape Girardeau yes, up to yes, here, basically. Yes. And uh, typically we've been first seed, us and Jackson. Jackson is an awesome program as well. I mean, they're all awesome programs. But just the fact that, um, you know, if you look at where they're at in the conferences, which now the conferences are, are, off, are off historic talent, it's not about your location anymore. So we're in the highest level. We are Oakville, okay? Um, and then with Jackson, the problem they have, like if you look at their schedule, they were like 13 and one, okay? 13 and 1. But who did they play? Right. Okay. But they were still contenders. Not <laughs> saying that they weren't a bad New, team. New, are you saying New Madrid High might right. not have been that competitive? Exactly. Yeah. But if you look at their <laughs> scores, it was like 8080880, you know. So, um, they're not getting, you know, the the if I'm my college coach again, I'm going to go watch an 80 game. No. You know. Um, but then us, we play it's an extremely tough schedule, yeah. you know. We're seniors. We're, we're 16 and 5, but with a really tough schedule. You know, every single one of those games we lost, they were on the line and they were to either O'Fallon, who just won state in Illinois, you know what I mean? And like, we lost to, um, um, yeah, she also, did we lose to? I don't like thinking about those games. But anyway, <laughs> they they're, all, they're out of the memory bank. They were all contenders, you know, and, and they were top 10 teams because that was part of my spiel when I tried to get number one seed. Yeah. But. It's it, again. I understand that beef. I understand that concept of why would I waste my time to come watch a game when I mean they're not getting you know they're not being seen underneath the pressure they need to be seen underneath. So I think the Champions League is something that we could explore, you know, and and, yeah. and do to try to change that and give a little bit more you know oomph to our high school programs. Yeah. No, I think it's great because you know in speaking to so many uh, collegiate coaches and, and really the recruiting directors as well, you know, their, their biggest beef with any recruiting is really, they, they want to simplify it. They love showcases. They love going to showcases when they know kids are at a particular level and kind of there's an expected parity to a degree. Um, and it, the high school has, you know, with the loss of tournament champions on the boys' side and the and the Parkway Showcase that you just mentioned earlier, you know, high schools are not helping themselves. The Champions League is is just shifting in the right direction, um, but I think there needs to be more of that. Yeah. But what I really love most of all is like, you, you flat out said it. We need to work with the clubs, and and if it's as simple as let's just have, <laughs> let's break bread, let's have a beer and talk about how we don't have to disparage each other anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's and, and I've seen it honestly. I experienced it actually, and, and on a different level. I, I decided my ninth grade year at Rockwood South Junior High because ninth graders we were combined at, at Eureka, so ninth graders had to go to their junior highs. It was weird. Um, I, I remember I needed a break. I was a I was playing on five teams. I needed a break. I decided not 
I was very athletic. I was not a great basketball player. I was just a good athlete. Decided not to go out for basketball for ninth grade. And every, every day that I passed that coach who was a teacher, I got guilt tripped and, you know, for not being a part of the experience, which sucked because I was happy to go home right after school and, and happy to have a break. And also then, you know, concurrently on the club side that you have players. I've worked mindset with players. Yeah. One is a now senior, I'm not going to say where she is, who played for her high school and got really poor treatment by her, the, the coach, not the club, but the coach that that is, that's the part of all of this, that, that if I could do one thing and get rid of that, it would be that. Like, I have to believe that all those pathways and working together can just make it better for whatever they want to do, whatever they decide to do, we can figure it out. Well, it's like you said with Marin going straight into going into the the, uh, the state cup, you know, right with their club team. You know, you have a couple of weeks to train to get back in gel and be good with yeah. all the girls on the team. Wouldn't it be better if I had a conversation with the club teams and I'm like, listen, you know, I'm going to hey. try to pat your back. You can pat mine and right. let's not slander each other and I'm going to get you, you going. You yeah, know? You, like, you just hit it yeah. on the head. I mean, <clears throat> theoretically, why wouldn't you be a tool in the in the toolbox for the club? You have a girl that might be playing at the EC and I love them because of the structure of that team or the style of play. Let's say they are a massive possession team, right, and not a high press team. And that player is a six. Well, maybe your system, they could look great as a striker, right? Or something like that. You could go to them and say, hey, look, why don't we make their, this, this, this player's reel better? Let's show them as, as, uh, as you know, moldable and you know, a good all-around player. That makes way more sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that were, there was no question there, was there? <laughs> <laughs> we make statements yeah. on this show. Yeah. We make statements. Yeah. Uh, screw questions. You know, I mean, that's what happened with me when I went to Missouri State. Like, I, you know, was more, I played always on the wing, and I was always attacking, and I never really thought of me being more defensive-minded, but when he put me out at the outside back, and I, I mean, I was fast. That was my cup of tea. I was fast. And it had a Me really too. good shot. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, you could just run for days down the line. But now you're adding the defense in. And I would just let girls. My favorite thing in the world was making girls think they beat me. Because I was fast, so I knew I could get after them. And, and then, then I What's lost them. on audio is you can't see her face and how yeah. competitive oh, it is oh, right now. that was the most favorite <laughs> part. I'd be like, yeah, you just go blew ahead. by me. Take that, a step. That was nah. a snarl. Nah. I saw a She's snarl. Yeah. Yeah. Take, go ahead, take oh, a step. Yeah. Enjoy it while it oh, lasts. And then I just <laughs> blow down the line because who's going to think an outside back's going to get all these assists? And that's, you know, basically the history of it. <laughs> well, and, you so, know, I think we all have to know, too, is when whenever you do a change, right, if you – Go over to high school and you play and you come back to your club. Whether you stay with your club, you're with your club and you go into high school and you got to mesh into something that's got to be completely new, you will lose a step. It, here's what I mean by that. I don't mean that you become bad. I just mean that you're coming back to a team you knew but you haven't trained together for a long time. It's, it's going to take a little bit of time and you go into some new system and it's going to take a little bit of time. And if we develop soccer IQ and we don't just develop position players, all of us as a whole – they're going to get it. You might have a week of crappy first touches or I, I think I belong somewhere and I don't. But they'll figure it out. Yeah. They'll figure it out with time. If it, and better if we're in lockstep. Mm -hmm. 
Well, well, let's let's shift it up a little bit. Yes, because, I said I would. Let's do that. Yeah, because we were talking at the very beginning the four pillars, right? So that we could talk about specifically the mental side, Jen, that you, you know, really lean into, and you're helping more and more clubs and kids through that process. I think there should be a fifth And pillar. high school, Sarah, just so you know. <laughs> and I am, you're going to be on the ticket. Uh, I, yeah. I think, Immediately. That, I think there's really a fifth. There, there really needs to be the fifth pillar. Because yeah. we're, we're talking, again, as a reminder, we're talking the technical, the tactical, we're talking the physical, and we're talking the mental. But then there's, I think in its whole other silo is diet. When it's the base, if you go to Pure Psych 101, you go to Maslow's hierarchy and your basic, like none of that other higher stuff happens if the body isn't taken care of. And apparently you know a little bit about that. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I've been teaching uh, guns. about We'd the human body for a reason. really long time. Yeah, so as an anatomy and physiology teacher um, and now recently a nutrition specialist, um, it's really changed not only my life, but everyone that I have around me. I tell my students this week, I'm like, listen, you guys are going to get really tired about me talking about nutrition because I can infiltrate nutrition into every single lesson. Okay. Any, if we're talking about the nervous system, I'm going to get to nutrition. But the thing is, is, um, you know, you're not going to perform optimally if your body's not performing optimally. Sadly, 70% of our population is overweight and obese in the United States, which can you believe that number? Are you talking, are you telling me that a bag of Doritos before the game is not okay? It's definitely not okay. (laughs) And I will have girls that will show up for an away game and I'll tell them to bring a snack because maybe it's a far off game and they'll have a whole sandwich from, uh, Johnny, whatever it's called. I don't even go to Jimmy John's or whatever. Yeah. Jimmy John's, you know, and and they wonder why they're lethargic and they don't feel well and, you know, their mental capacity is not there. So one of the things that I completely just adopted the past couple of years was just that. So I tell my girls now, like, we'll have meetings in, you know, during preseason and we just talk about diet. And if they want to adopt it or not, I always give them something that they can use as a tool. But the other thing that I do is, you know, adherence is the biggest thing to, you know, a diet. If you're not going to adhere to it, then it's not going to matter anyways. So, you know, how do I make people adhere to a diet? Well, I make it available. And that's what I do. So now with the funds that I get, and we got some donations from Oakville United, which is totally awesome and we're blessed with, a lot of the money that we got from them, I put towards food product that I would always put in front of my players all the time. I made it an open door policy in my room. I always have you know, fresh fruit, I have fresh vegetables, I always have whole grains, I have you know, different types of power bars and things available for them so that they're making that choice and I can control it instead of making a terrible choice. A vending machine. And then their performance being terrible. Again, does the technical, tactical, physical, mental even matter if they're eating nothing? Because basically with girls, and I'll, I will ha- give them a questionnaire. I'm like, what is your daily caloric intake? And they will be like, oh, well, I'm not hungry in the morning, and then I don't eat anything, and then I get to the lunchroom, and then I basically just binge eat because I'm starving, whatever they have in the lunchroom or their friends brought to school. And then I'll go home and I'll, you know, take a little break and then I'll nap and then I'll eat this and then I'll try to show up for a game. (laughs) What? Okay, so. So you're saying that makes your skin crawl? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Just watching people at the grocery store makes my skin crawl. Uh, I'm like, wow, you're feeding that to your family. But anyway, there's like 14 more aisles than necessary. Right. I'm like, none of that is, is unprocessed food that you have in your food in your in your cart. But that's a problem I have as a nutritionist. You know, I just have that 
that's what I see now. I can't unsee it. But um, if I want my players to play optimally, that's where I go first. And that's where everyone should go first. And not even if they're playing sports in their lives. You know, and so you, take a you, test it, it, on a on a healthy brain that's yes. got nutrition behind Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we've all had days where, you know, we haven't eaten the healthiest and then we feel it, though, you know, or we have days where we're gung ho and we're going to get up and we do that morning workout and we eat healthy and you feel good. Right. And so then when you do the things you're going to do, you do well at them. You do better at them than you would if you were to, to make poor choices. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh. Ding, ding, ding. When I thought of this like three years ago, I'm like, why not do this with my players? And so, I mean, the girls, it's second nature. We call it tiger fuel. And so everywhere we go, I always have a bag of fresh fruit. I have rice cakes. I have different power bars. I make sure I give them shaker bottles and I make sure their shaker bottles are always full with water so that they're always hydrated. I make sure when they're in the hallways, they have to cheers with their shaker bottles, just telling each other, hey, I'm staying hydrated. I'm doing what I need to do um, with my body so that I can prepare to be optimal at my soccer game later or at training or whatever. And I've seen a huge difference in it. And, and just even if you, you, like, I think about the fitness level, you know, and what we do just fitness-wise, just with the training and exercise and all that, I mean, they're just killing it. Yeah. I mean, just their times on, like, ha I used to have maybe, maybe, like, a fourth of them could make all the 120s. Now I have over half of them making the 120s. And they can see the line. They see the connect. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And... I have a lot of girls now, too, that they have not changed their lifestyle since they left high school because they're like, I feel fit. I feel good. I, you know, my girlfriends are going down the line of, you know, the freshman 15 when they get to college. And I don't want to be that, you know, and I don't want to be that statistic that 70 percent of people. I remember and, hearing that when I first got well, through. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you a question. Let's go to the other end of the age spectrum there. And let's maybe like fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Um, just quick advice from a dietary standpoint for a young athlete like that if a parent that's listening to this is like i get it she's going to help if you know if my daughter's playing with her there's there's going to be a map but what about for them what would you tell them paint today breakfast lunch and dinner or snack what 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 should that look like even at a young age for a for a high highly active child number one thing you need to change is eat clean Get rid of the processed foods. It is appalling to me the lines I see outside of Chick-fil-A, outside of Freddy's, outside of the places. And I get it. We all have really busy lives, and we have to get here, Concession get there. Concession stand lies, too, sometimes but it feels like. the media like, yeah. makes you believe that that's healthy food. I mean, it is appalling to me that, that, well, it's chicken. It's not a cheese. Well, guess what? The chicken's worse than the cheeseburger. It truly is, and I could tell you why. We just don't have enough time. You know what I'm saying? Like the media's made food is now our crutch. Like what used to happen with with cigarettes, and you know, back in the day, you know, the physician would be smoking while he'd be assessing you. You know, you'd be smoking on a plane, and now we know what that does to people. Well, food is now what cigarettes used to be. Well, yeah, it's like, it, know, it's like it, they it, grab a headlines like something's gluten free. Oh, my right. 17 year old is oh. gluten free, mom. I'm like. Look what else is in it. <laughs> might right. be gluten free, oh, yeah. but it doesn't like mean it's the healthy. Incredible burger. Yeah, my, my, you might as well just eat a regular burger. My, my, my <laughs> wife's uh, her, her rule of thumb is if we can't pronounce an ingredient, don't eat that. Well, yeah. I'm gonna piggyback off that. So when you read nutrition labels, parents, the number one thing you need to look at is the ingredients. 
It's it. I know really. it sucks it's to do. It's not about yeah. the calories. It's not about the sodium. It's not about the you know how many carbohydrates. Everyone eats carbs, carbs, carbs. You need carbs. If you're going to go play in a soccer game, you need to eat carbs, okay? Or any sporting event. But uh, you need to eat clean carbs, whole grains. Whole means it hasn't been stripped of everything on there that's the fiber. You're right. losing out on that. The further along, and also eat local and eat seasonal. Eat fruit with every single meal. I always tell my clients, eat that's the rainbow. That's interesting because a lot of people are afraid to eat fruit. My because son, he was like, oh, I got too much sugar. I'm yeah, like, no, it's no, fruit. It's, Eat the fruit. Your body can break it down so quickly, and, and, and it loves it. It's antioxidants. It's vehicles that help mobilize the macros. And so, like, if, if you're people who eat processed foods, here's the difference. If you're eating a processed item, you're not getting fiber, and you're not getting antioxidants. You're not getting anti-inflammatories. It's been stripped of all those great things. So you're still getting the macro, which is the carb, the protein, the fat. But you're not getting all the little vehicles that help it run. So if you do the analogy of a, a vehicle, you know, you could give it crappy gasoline. It's still going to run, but it's not going to run great. If you right. give it the best stuff, it's going to run phenomenally. And so that's what, what you got to do. Every single meal should have all those components. It should have whole grains. It should have, you know, it, and I'm vegan. So, I mean, I take it to another level. I eat meat sometimes. I love it. Believe me, I would love to be, you know, eat steak and, and all that stuff all the time. But I just know what it does in my body. Um, and, and not to say that it's bad for you, but just you know, like in moderation. Um, but you need to have antioxidants. You need to have, you know, especially hydration. If, if you're not putting in, you know, and not just water. Too. A lot of times people think, I'm going to hydrate and drink all this water. Well, you also need electrolytes because you lose out on that when you become dehydrated. And so, like, at mixing a little bit of, like, a electrolyte powders that you can get is good because it stays away from, like, all the additives that are in Gatorades and Powerades and stuff. But there, there's so many things. I mean, I could have a whole conversation just on that. What do you but. say to the, like, because I've come across a few players bes besides working on the mindset like, that they, the parents are like, and she doesn't want to eat before a game because she's so nervous she gets sick to her stomach. Is there like a quick, wondered if I could get a quick and easy, like, you got a player who's like, it's a morning game or or I'm somebody who literally have a player who goes and throws up in a trash can before because can't keep the food in her belly. Is she eating the wrong things? Uh, I wouldn't say it's eating the wrong things. It's just more of a mental mindset. I, I would say let her do the purging and then just make sure she's getting some nutrients immediately after that. I mean, it, it, the right nutrients. Uh, I would say like a, a slow-burning carbohydrate. Keep a bag of rice cakes. Let her just because it's something the body can process, light. but it's going to be light on the body, a bland things that she can get some quick energy back. Gosh, it's into almost her like system. when you have a little one who's sick, where they're exactly, like, eat, that, exactly eat the like brat the, diet, the, the, brat. the brat. Yeah, brat. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like you know, we always had oranges at halftime. Yeah, I but, remember but you like to talk about oranges. Jamie. I love oranges. I, you like them thick or thin and sliced? You you prefer? Oh, thin. No, thin. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't like all that pulp. Yeah. Yuck. Well, see, I'm a pulp girl, but <laughs> I like the fiber. They're like boogers, though. Like when you drink delicious orange juice with boogers. pulp, oh, it's a glass so full of boogers. Yeah, delicious boogers. That's exactly delicious boogers. Please put that in the description oh of this gosh. podcast. I will. Delicious yeah, boogers. Delicious boogers. <laughs> Sarah Gunther, delicious boogers. That's right. That'll be it. All right. But yeah, no, I, I, again, um, I um, my handle for Instagram is... Uh, Coach Guns, and that found you because I G, G U N S or Z S. S. 
Yeah, yeah. No, you're not guns. No, not guns. But uh, that's because <laughs> my last name, Gunther. Everyone always called me Guns, Gunny, growing up in the soccer world. Awesome. So uh, I just kind of piggybacked off that. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I love nutrition and, and teaching it to everyone as much as I can. It's a passion of mine. Um, I do actually have a small business in it, but it's just so much for me to do everything that I do and. But I love it, and and I, I just want to enlighten minds so that they can be healthy, so that they can train their kids to be healthy, and we can just get that 70% statistic taken down a little and bit. And soccer's awesome, but that is something they can you can take forever. Yeah, yeah. You guys have fun? I had a great time. Uh, absolutely. And I learned some stuff about to eat, not to eat. Got to go yeah. get some rice cakes there you go. Uh, and, and some other stuff. And Fresh fruit. And if you do sure. get around Coach Guns, Coach you better be looking in the rear view mirror. That's right. Yeah. Because she's coming. If I she see you coming. at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> she, she, you should see her snarl. That's the only oh, bad yeah, part about yeah. just audio yeah. is you can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> you can feel it. So uh, thanks to our hosts. Thanks to our hosts. Uh, Oakville Sports Pub, who, again, fed my family for years before we moved away. I was glad to be back visiting with Sarah Gunther of Oakville High School. And I know you got till spring, but looking forward to seeing the uh, team perform and hearing about it. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. This yeah, has best been awesome. Of, yeah, best of luck with the fall. Kids, yeah. you know, those high school kids. I mean, that's why you really eat healthy, right? So you can just tolerate <laughs> Teenagers. You know, I always ask people, how do you, how do you teach elementary? I'm yeah. Like, like, I just can't do that. But, you know. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was, it was my yeah. pleasure as well. well thank um, you. Loved your stories. Uh, Coach Jin. Yeah. That was fun. That was great fun. We'll, uh, we'll be doing this again next week. All right. And uh, make sure everybody gives us a follow, right? That'd be right. Follow All right. us. We're on our way out here. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.